I truly feel like this passion about trying to understand the work, the passion to want to share ideas about, you know, how it's been done or how it could look or how to implement the curriculum comes from a place of everyone just wanting to do what's best for kids. I do believe that all of them can grow. And if I didn't believe that, I would not be in the position I'm currently in today. Hello. Welcome to the 205 Vibe Podcast, where we discuss topics related to Rockford Public Schools and the larger Rockford region. I'm your host, Earl Dotson Jr. Today, we are very honored and happy to have with us our guest is uh, Melissa Douglas. Melissa Douglas is the Dean of Elementary Literacy, works for Rockford Public Schools, and we're very, very excited to have her here today. Hello, Melissa. Hello. How you doing? Doing pretty good. So I'm just curious, have you ever have you ever participated in a podcast before? I have not ever participated in a podcast before. Awesome. So today is an interesting topic. Uh, I think uh, it's one of the things that we've, it, it, it relates to um, our teaching and learning and how we're, how we're applying that to our student, students um, around this idea, this topic of integrated literacy. But before we dive into that, I guess first, if you could please tell our listeners just a little bit about you and your background in education. Uh, well, my background in education, uh, I've been in education now for about nine years. And I started as a classroom teacher, so I've taught anywhere from second grade to eighth grade and then ended up getting my master's degree as a reading specialist, which really my my oldest son inspired because he struggles with reading and uh, has always struggled with school. So I really wanted to help him. But of course, as my son, um, I really he doesn't really want me to help him, so so I end up helping other kids instead. Um, so so yes, yeah, so I got my master's degree as my in reading specialist, and then after that, I ended up becoming an instructional coach, kind of through a series of conversation, uh, ended up leading me to that role, and then now I've been in Rockford as the dean of elementary for about a year and two months. So I'm just curious. It sounds like your a big part of your career has been spent around this idea of literacy and reading um you know, what, what drives you what, what's been your interest in that what why is you why have you been so drawn to that particular um, it really did start with with my older son um he always struggled with school and i don't know i just you know even from when he was just really little we would read to him and i would you know, have the the library in the house and just kind of expected him to be really excited about school and excited about reading. And then when he wasn't, I found quickly that that was because it was difficult for him. So once I learned that, I just wanted to learn um, as much as I could about reading and wanting to help him, whether it was motivating him to read or helping him, you know, decode words or understand things. And it really has just kind of driven me uh, to the point that I'm that I'm currently at today. You've you've kind of told us a little bit about your background and who you are and how you were drawn to uh, literacy and teaching it, and now helping other teachers um, teach it to students. Um, talk a little bit about why it's important the way literacy is taught. Why is that so important? You know, kind of picking up a kind of um, 
you know, a process, if you will, for how you teach it and how you deliver it? Well, really, it has to be a very systematic, research-based kind of instruction for kids to know how to read. And I didn't really always understand that as a teacher um, or as a mom, right? You just kind of, as an adult, you, you just read. You don't really remember that process. So I've learned more about that over the years. And I know that it starts with, you know, language and speaking to kids and just having conversations with them. And then from that, you know, you really build on um, phonemes and sounds. And then there's that whole phonetic piece of foundational literacy, which I'm um, learning more about in my career every day. And it really has to be very systematic, very explicit and uh, and direct, right? Like on purpose teaching, not just kind of playing games or, or guessing about things. So the foundation literacy program we have in Rockford through Reading Horizons is really very systematic and this blended approach to learning. Um, and there's like a sense of urgency with it, but it's also very data-driven, meaning, you know, you check in with kids on a regular basis and you see where they are in their understanding of learning. And, and then you know when to move forward with them. So part of that instruction also does include vocabulary. And vocabulary, of course, is the basis for comprehension and understanding text. So once students know how to decode, which can be very difficult for some students. I mean, there's you know a lot of science behind that whole process of decoding and learning how to read. Then they have to start reading to understand texts. And, and text can be um, a variety of things, whether it's media or analyzing images or photos. And then also, obviously, the main one people are most familiar with, which is reading words. So really, there's, there's just like the systematic approach to it. And I really find it pretty fascinating. And I, I learn more about it, you know, all the time. And I think that we learn more about it in general through research and brain research and the way that that kids develop. So you mentioned um, Reading Horizons, and I'm I'm assuming that that is that is that just for that, that's kind of a found. I heard you say a foundational kind of literacy approach. Is that just for elementary school age uh, children? So currently, we use it for K through um, most third grade students in the district are engaged in that kind of work. Um, it, there's a few different things going on with it. It does fit into the balanced literacy model, which our integrated literacy still follows. This idea of not just comprehension, but also the foundational piece, like both, all of those things are included in a balanced literacy model. There is another program similar to Reading Horizons for older students that does carry on that systematic um, approach to phonics and learning how to read and decode for those foundational skills. But yeah, it even though it is um, isolated, meaning foundational skills, it is part of balanced literacy. And just the whole idea that we don't just read for comprehension, but we also need to know how to read. Sure. So how long has Reading Horizons been in, you know, been in the Rockford Public School system as a curriculum tool, if you will? So this is year two for most buildings. We did have, it's year three for the buildings um, that chose to pilot the program. And so now we're at, we're talking about integrated literacy, mm -hmm. which is, I'm a, is, is this brand new this year? 
It is brand new as far as full implementation okay. of okay. integrated literacy. Um, teachers in the school district have known about it mm-hmm. for a while because we have our CL, our CLT, our curriculum leadership teams, have been working with Dave and Corey, our other deans mm-hmm. um, from science and social science on integrated literacy now for about three, four years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, but this is the first year of complete implementation. Wow. So that's so that's new. And uh, yes. we all know sometimes, you know, just trying when you get new things and change and mm-hmm. trying to understand it and make sure that you use it effectively. So so the full implementation is new this year. How would you say just the, your assessment of, you know, how's it going? Like how are how are teachers um uh, adjusting to this this full implementation approach. Yeah, I think that there there's a lot going on there as far as how it's going uh, district wide. I think that um, I, I've been to most elementary buildings at this point. I've really wanted to be present in elementary buildings to offer support, provide feedback to stu- uh, to teachers as they engage students in this work. And I've heard a variety of things. I think that everyone is excited about the curriculum for a few reasons. One, it really is, um, it encompasses best practice. So with this curriculum, which includes science, social science, English language arts, and health standards, that's why it's integrated, um, but it's integrated literacy because it's around the idea of literacy, reading, writing, listening, speaking, mm-hmm. right? So it really, it includes best practice as far as all of the standards, being a part of planning and students day but it also includes some instructional shifts that can be a little nerve-wracking so even though teachers are really excited about the work is mainly what i'm hearing i do know that anything new can be really overwhelming sure and when you're talking about four different sets of standards within one curriculum alongside instructional shifts that can be really overwhelming However, I think that through the support we've provided and through conversations that we're having um, on a regular basis um, with teachers and instructional coaches and administration, I think that we're getting people to a more comfortable place. Mm-hmm. And I really look forward to, to, to seeing how it progresses throughout the year because it, it's really a good curriculum for students. Thank you for that, because just listening to you talk and have our conversation is kind of leading me to another question. So because one of the things I'm curious about, some of the things you said about uh, you said kind of year two, like Reading Horizons is new this year. Although teachers have known about integrated literacy, this is kind of the first year of full implementation. I guess what I'm thinking and my question is, you know, so we've been here, I guess uh, this uh, this new administration, you know, we've been here. I don't know, seven, eight years now. Why does it take so long, you know, the time that, that, you know, we've been here to just now, we're just now kind of getting new curriculum. And it it just begs the question, like, well, what were we doing before if this is kind of new and we think this is best practice? Does that make sense? It does make sense. And some of that um, I've kind of had to learn along the way because I'm so new to the district. But it's also something that really drew me to want to work in the district is this whole idea of, um, you know, just the shifts that are taking place. As far as the length of time it takes to um, go through the curriculum process, which is a process, so it's still not done, right, which is also why I feel like 
it can be a little overwhelming because, sure. you know, we want everything um, right now sometimes, you know, as humans and um, and dealing with other humans, but, but it doesn't always just happen right away. There's like this process to things. So I think it takes so long um, for a number of reasons. You know, we want it to be a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we've had teacher input. We have had some shifts in standards along the way, you know, from the C3 social science standards and the NGSS science standards. And then even, um, you know, the Common Core that Illinois adopted, um, even though it's been around for a while, it wasn't really being fully implemented. And then you have to look at the resources that we were using, you know, do those resources align to the new standards and the curriculum? I mean, so there's a lot involved. And one of the main reasons behind the concept of integrated literacy was because teachers don't have enough time to teach everything during the day, right? So when the question was asked about, well, when do you teach science? When do you teach social science? Most people really couldn't answer because there just wasn't enough time to teach everything. So not only are the standards something that are mandated, but most importantly, students should get to have the opportunity to engage in that kind of work, right? So that was the main reason that it was even developed. And along the way, through curriculum leadership teams changing and resources being vetted, and then actually designing the curriculum to marry like these four sets of standards together. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just takes time. It takes time. It just takes time. Interesting. Uh, thank you. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so our 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 podcast is called the Two Hundred Five Vibe, right? Because in part, because we know that every school has its own vibe, right? It has its own kind of environment. Um, and you talked about you, you know, you visited all the elementary schools. So, would you do you agree that every school has its own kind of vibe? And if you do agree with that, you know, what? How does that affect the work of trying to implement something? You know, across a district where every every building kind of has its own personality, its own vibe. Yes, I absolutely have seen that every building has um, has its own vibe. Not only every building, but every grade level. And then with every grade level, you have every teacher. So it has been a really amazing, powerful experience for me to be in the buildings and really get to understand where the teachers are coming from, getting to know them, and trying to meet them where they are in their learning in each moment of conversation because this is a really large school district. We're serving a lot of students in this community and we have the opportunity to make a huge impact on on Rockford. And I think that um, it can be a little challenging to try and do that with so many buildings and so many teachers, but I also think it can be really exciting. the The main vibe that I feel is passion, mm. and that can go in so many different directions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I truly feel like this passion about trying to understand the work, the passion to want to share ideas about you know how it's been done or how it could look or how to implement the curriculum comes from a place of everyone just wanting to do what's best for kids and just wanting to do a good job. And that's really the consistent vibe I feel. 
on a student note, because really, I mean, I think that that's why we're all here, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, are for the students. And the vibe I'm feeling there is that, you know, the teachers, they know that the students should have the opportunity to engage with this type of work. And they are so knowledgeable on how to teach kids in their classrooms but because we're such a large school district we have students moving from school to school all the time so one thing I I really like to encourage and remind teachers of when I'm there is just the idea that even though we all have a lot of really great ideas and even though this curriculum can be overwhelming, the goal is to provide some consistency and continuity for these kids. Because if we have students moving from mm-hmm. building to building mm-hmm. to building all mm-hmm. year long, mm-hmm. we don't want them to miss an opportunity to learn about the curriculum that they should be exposed to. That is a, that's fantastic. Uh, that's a great segue uh, into my next question about you know your 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 focus around students. One of the things that we often talk about or we use as a as a metric in terms of um, kind of gauging how well our students are doing are standardized testing, right? It's obviously it's a big topic in our district. I guess I'm curious uh, from your perspective, how how much weight do you put on standardized testing as an accurate measure of kind of where where students are with that snapshot in time. Do you think that's in kind of an, an accurate, a fair measurement of, um, of kind of figuring that, that part out? Um, I think it's a fair measure to consider when thinking about how to meet students where they are in their learning. I do think it's a really important thing to have students engage in so that we learn how we're doing as a system and in the community. But I do think more things should be considered when really thinking about the district as a whole or buildings as a whole, right? Because even if student data on one test doesn't show that everyone is growing a certain percentage, I do strongly feel and believe that students are growing every day And I don't know that you can measure that in one test, right? Whether it's socially, emotionally, um, hopefully academically, because that's our goal. But we also want them to grow up and contribute to society and be successful in life. So one standardized test is not the only measure, but I do think it's really important to to consider to consider and so again and i think everyone has a different different i guess answer for this next question around that so just again building off of that um you know you, you i agree that you know there, that it is important it's something to consider and while you're considering that particular piece regarding standardized testing obviously we do have lots of students who don't hit the mark right don't hit the whether it's the state average or or where they should be, grade level, et cetera, et cetera. Um, why do you think that is? Why, I mean, why? I mean, is it is it just a matter of just everyone's different? Uh, you know, uh, what are we saying when we, we, you know, we are we saying that is it poverty? Is it that those kids can't be taught or they can't learn? What What do you think is kind of at the root cause of why you know a lot of our students struggle when it comes to literacy? 
I think there's a lot involved um, when people or students can't thrive or grow. I do believe that all of them can grow. And if I didn't believe that, I would not be in the position I'm currently in today. And I'd like to think that most people believe that, even if they get a little frustrated sometimes when they don't see certain numbers of growth. I think a lot of things contribute to it. Um, Teaching is truly an art. And when I was in college, I used to hear my professor say that, right? There's a science and there's an art to teaching. And some people have both. And some people have, you know, one of those things nailed down. And... There, there's a lot going on with teaching, and I don't really always know that that's understood. So when you do take into account some major reality facts, like some students, you know, are from or are living in poverty. Um, some students have disabilities, meaning it just takes them longer to learn things. I believe that they can learn things. It just might take them longer or different avenues to get to get them there. And then you have instructional shifts that teachers have to process and get comfortable with before they can even really truly implement. And then once you're even in the classroom, I mean, there is so much going on in a day. I find it fascinating how hard teachers work. And there really truly is an art to this process of what you do with your whole group instruction, how you meet each individual student where they are in their learning. So I think there's a lot of factors involved there. And, you know, those those really are truly just small pieces. Um, so I think a lot of things can lead to students not necessarily showing growth, but um, per, per a standardized test, because I do think that growth happens. If if that kind of answers your question, it does. It does. Thank you so much. I you're, I'm I, you're you're educating me as we as we talk. This is great, um, and I think the people who listen to this uh, will just appreciate uh, just kind of that that extra layer of in depth kind of knowledge. Um, would you recommend, based on what you've seen your time here, would you recommend to another parent that they send their kid uh, to the Rockford Public School System, and if so, why? Yeah, I would recommend that. Um, and actually had my oldest son, he was he was in parochial school, and I chose to put him in Rockford 205. And I wasn't even working in 205 at the time when I did that. And, you know, there's a few reasons. One is that we have a ton of support set in place for our students that not other schools have access to. We have um, what can feel like Sometimes it can feel like there's too much going on, right, with like services that we provide students. And as a former classroom teacher, that can be frustrating when you have students who are kind of like leaving the classroom to receive extra support. However, the fact that we provide that for our students, I think, is really um, something that we should be proud of and really powerful because we truly want to meet students where they are in their learning. It's just a matter of trying to fit that in and work it into the puzzle of a day. Um, so my son needed that extra support. So I wanted to put him in a school district where I knew that that support would be provided. My youngest children, I have two toddlers, and they will be going um, to Rockford. We, we purposely chose a house that was in the Rockford school district because I really think that Rockford's doing amazing things. And when I decided to, to move to Rockford, um, as far as the school district I was teaching in or, or you know, as an educator, I really put a lot of thought into that 
And, you know, I started researching, you know, what is the district doing? You know, what is their vision? What is their goal? And I know I want my kids here. You know, do I want to work here too? And the answer was yes. Like I felt really excited about where Rockford is headed. And I, I can feel it. I can see it. I know we're making movement towards really great things. Um, but that's also a process. It's a really large ship. And it takes a while to turn. And there's a lot of people involved, but I think that, you know, each day we're, we're headed towards really great things. Last question. And thank you again. I really appreciate your time. Uh, so this is, these are just kind of some fun questions. So what is your favorite movie of all time? Do you have a favorite movie or TV show? What is, what is Melissa Douglas? Uh, what, you know, what is she going to watch? I'm actually a really big nerd. So <laughs> let's see here. TV. I didn't really watch a lot of TV until my older son like begged me to get cable in the house because um, I was like doing homework uh, and reading. TV or movie. Okay. Um, so currently my favorite TV show is This Is Us. Okay. Love this is that us. show. Okay. Oh my gosh. Who does not love that show? <laughs> Thank oh, you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yep. Um, what would you say, uh, whether it's in your family or kids are like, hey, mom, we, we want to take you out. Uh, it's Mother's Day. It's your birthday. What is your favorite food? Like, where do you, where do you want to go? What do you want to eat? Um, probably pizza. Pizza. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the last question is, uh, while you're enjoying your pizza, is there a favorite uh, mus- a group, a music, a type of genre, or uh, uh, an individual that you prefer to listen to? I'm a little biased, um, but my husband's a musician, <laughs> so I would say my husband. <laughs> nice, great. <laughs> Melissa Douglas, uh, Curriculum Dean of Elementary Literacy, thank you so very much for joining us today on the 205 Vibe Podcast. We appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on the 205 Vibe Podcast. If you'd like to comment on the show, please call us at 815-490-4117. Leave us a voice message and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening.